What's up everyone? This is Dariusz Kalbaczyk, co-founder of NG Poland, JS Poland, Mastercourses.dev and WorkshopFest.dev. Welcome back to Angular Master Podcast. Today, together with Michael Rx Hladki, trainer and consultant, Angular, Nest.js, RxJS, TypeScript, GDE, MVP, Performance Engineer. We discuss everything related to our favorite framework. So let's start the show. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm pretty good. So what is the reason you are so interested in the web performance? That's a, a, good, a good opener for our session today, I would say. Well, I was never aware what's, what's possible. And by accident, we... I uh, had to fix some slowness in, in, in an application. And it was the first time where I really had to, to dig into like low level stuff because the normal information that you find online wa- was not really feasible. And I realized how incredibly interesting all those different tools, m- measurement options and, and reasons for fast or slow code and also even different areas of performance, uh, are they are like really they really gripped me and since then i invested a lot of of time uh, on all the different things uh, later on i also started a angular library that was uh, or is still uh, focusing on performance uh, at least next to other good stuff like uh, developer experience and so on It's called Rx Angular, and we have shipped a couple of tools there that really, really help you to make uh, faster applications. And nowadays, I do a lot of performance audits for companies um, in different branches, and it's really cool to see how how impactful it is to to change a little bit of code and get uh, a big, big uh, benefit, a big, big outcome. Um, it's it's not really only interesting it is i believe i strongly believe also the future so i also try to align myself with uh, future customers and so on i really believe that performance is and will be the core um, <clears throat> piece to success to a successful business because this is what our users want our users want good user experience when using their websites and The main thing is to know all the um, different measures, different app titles to tell if this user experience is good or not. And of course, slowness, blocking UI, uh, endless waiting time to to quick uh, page jumps in the end is really a bad experience. And this is what it's all about, bringing a really, really good and perfect user experience to any platform. Also, the the title of uh, my workshop is Performance at Scale, or better better call it like Performance on Highly Performant Applications on Any Device. <coughs> Sorry, my voice is not the best today. Yeah, so this was um, how I started and what I did in the in the, in uh, recent times in that area in a very, very rough and, and quick way. <laughs> I guess we can go more into technical details with, with other questions and really see what 
uh, what tools I use to improve the performance, which stacks I can really tackle. Like, for example, it's easily possible uh, to tackle any framework if you understand some good performance knowledge. And we can talk about that a little bit more in follow-up questions. Okay, so perfect. So what are the web vitals? Yeah, I mentioned web vitals because... Um, The Chrome team invested a lot of time in telling in a measurable way if a user experience is good or not. And those are many, many, many different core measure, core numbers, I would say. And a combination of them uh, basically is used nowadays under the name Web vitals or better call them the six main measures core web vitals so the, the six core measures that uh, tells us if user experience is good or not and i told maybe in a previous podcast already that there are different phases of performance like bootstrap performance runtime performance and so on so um Core web vitals focus on all those, dif those different phases of a website and tell you if it is good or not in measurable, reproducible numbers. For example, you can use Lighthouse to analyze them. Uh, maybe let's spend a little bit more time here and name them, the, all the six of them, and I will give a little bit of information um, about them because if we look at the core web vitals, the underlying principles and the underlying Uh, detailed information that we need to, to get those numbers are then available in other tools in the Chrome Dev tools, for example, flame charts, network analysis, and so on. And I will point out, uh, different strengths of, of, of the other measurement methods based on that information. So the first one is the first contentful paint. And this means the first moment in time when the user sees something meaningful. Something meaningful that tells the user either there is content or there is a loading skeleton, but something more than a white screen or any other low-level thing. Then we have the speed index itself. It uh, is a combination of numbers that uh, also relate to network performance and so on. We have the largest contentful paint, uh, and this is basically a piece of information in your page that is the biggest. So it takes the most space. And this is a very interesting number because until this is not rendered, the user is most probably missing an important information on the website. Then we have time to interactive. And time to interactive and also the following uh, three measures focus more on runtime performance instead of bootstrap performance. So time to interactive means how long does it take until the user's interactions with the web page will get processed. If I start, uh, load the page and I immediately click on the user interface, how long does it take uh, until this interaction is basically processed? This is time to interactive, TTT. Uh, also very closely related to blocking UIs. Blocking UIs basically is a term that describes a state of a web application that is called uh, or uh, um, experienced as frozen. And you can 
not interact, even if you click, even if you, if you drag, move, nothing happens. It's basically blocked. The next measure is total blocking time. And total blocking time is basically this frozen UI that I explained uh, now, uh, but for the whole page load. So it could be that your page is interactive and in between blocked and then interactive again and then in between blocked. And total blocking time is all, all blocking UI times summed up into one number. And the last uh, measure is cumulative layout shifts. What does this weird name mean? Cumulative layout shifts basically is very closely related to the user experience. So how is the user experiencing the interactions and everything on your website? What is a cumulative layout shift? Imagine you read a text. Imagine you read a text and then all of a sudden, a banner, uh, some advertisement pops up and pushes down the content that you read at the moment. This is a layout shift. And this shift basically disturbs your reading flow, distracts you from uh, consuming information from the website and basically brings you a very bad experience when uh, consuming the website. This can happen, for example, when um, lazy loading images and then the, the space of the image pops up. This could be an advertisement banner. This even could be that we load a third-party font or a special web font that is not in the browser uh, implemented as font and then we would also have a, had a shift in that in that font and this is also similar to all the jumping stuff from the banner a very bad experience and this is a to re repeat it again called a cumulative layout shift those are six um, measures are basically the core web vitals and if you like uh, we can go now into more detail on other tools in the chrome dev tools and see how they relate to the core web vitals that's perfect. Well said. So, but uh, before we go any further, how to detect uh, performance bottlenecks? A very good question. So um, the first thing that I would suggest is that you get a quick, quick overview and open up Lighthouse. Lighthouse basically is a really cool tool. Um, they also do quite uh, a lot of uh, development all the time. It's progressing amazing tool to tell you uh, front of the core web vitals, but also other measures on your website, for example, accessibility, best practices, if you have a progressive web page, uh, website running or not. And they are a first uh, point of interaction, I would say, where you can get out some numbers. Later on, you will find information in the Lighthouse tool and you can then Go to other tools like uh, the performance tab where you have in-depth flame charts or the network tab where you can do network analysis or even other third-party tools that help you to analyze uh, the performance like uh, the Angular team also shipped a uh, tool that helps you to, to check performance which is called the Angular Staff Tools plugin and this is what uh, 
A good example for a third-party tool that helps you to detect your, your bottlenecks and get more information. But what are the differences between Angular DevTools and Chrome DevTools? Um, before I start off with comparing Chrome and, and Angular, I would quickly sum up uh, more on how to detect performance bottlenecks because one thing that many people miss is how to document them. So um, when we detected a bottleneck, um, we should also really, really see to write down with uh, like really measures, screenshots, pictures, text, and maybe also videos, what's the, <coughs> what's the problem and how can we fix it? Or at least a theoretical um, suggestion on what you can improve. And why is this so good to document it? Because you can uh, really provide a lot of value with such a performance documentation. Basically, if you run a performance audit, a full performance audit, this consists only of such documentations. And what you can document is also uh, long-term value because um, at least what we do in our performance audits, we have three stages. We can uh, provide information for stuff that we should do immediately to like fix the problem. Then we have stuff, have stuff to um, basically improve it uh, over long time. And then we also have stuff that would prevent such uh, situations from happening again. So three layers where you have one that you should do right away. The second one that takes a little bit more time, but will help you to make overall uh, everything better. And the third thing, what can you do to avoid it in the future that other people cannot introduce uh, similar bottlenecks? This is a way how we describe all the um, problems that we find. And we also always try to give as much information as possible to also teach through the audit. So the document, the PDF, the performance audit is not only a paper, but I would say also a small book on how to uh, dig into different scenarios on your website. And you can use the Chrome Dev Tools or other third-party tools, as I mentioned. Uh, Speaking about third-party tools, now we could go back to the question for the uh, what's the difference between Angular DevTools and Chrome DevTools. Mm, and I would, I would explain it in that way. I will quickly um, pitch what Chrome DevTools do, what, what Angular DevTools do, and then we will spend a little bit more time on the Chrome DevTools because this is like the fundamental tooling and the this will bring us the fundamental numbers that the Angular DevTools leverage. So Chrome DevTools is a set of tools, a set of different measurement tools to figure out how my website is performing. I have uh, the DOM structure that I can analyze. I can analyze how paintings are done, how the layering is done, how the pixel image is produced on my screen. I can also have a look on all the listeners and interactions that are on the DOM nodes. I can look at my web page's performance uh, in uh, a way where I see work over time. This is called flame charts and the performance tab in the Chrome DevTools, this weird diagram with a lot of long bars to the bottom. And those bars tell you basically how much work is done, how much time it takes to get the work. 
Then you have Network Tab, which tells you what you download from servers, what resources you use, what, uh, how much uh, megabyte or kilobyte you download you need to run your website, and many, many other things that you can use to figure out where you can optimize and improve your performance. The Angular DevTools is basically as like you realized Chrome DevTools is a really huge and complex uh, topic, like a lot of different things to know. The Angular team aimed for something that is easier to access and that gives you the most important or the information where you can improve the most first in a very accessible way. So what uh, the Angular DevTools are, they also have different tabs And those different tabs show you um, a reduced version of all the information you can get out of the Chrome DevTools. For example, the Angular DevTools also has a performance tab and there you see not like fully uh, fledged and highly detailed flame charts, but reduced flame charts that show you only specific events in the component uh, render cycle. For example, detect changes and which directive was calling these detect changes and so on. So you <clears throat> you only filter out the most important um, information. This is one tab. Then you have uh, multiple other tabs there. Mm. You can also get a better clue on the component structure in other tabs in the future you will also see all the different routes that are provided through um, Angular and also a lot of other information. Basically, a really, really cool uh, tool that helps you to get first uh, in-depth information. So if you ask me what's the second thing that you can do after using Lighthouse, you can open up Angular's Chrome, uh, Angular's DevTools, uh, which is a little bit more detailed but not as detailed as the Chrome DevTools. Okay, so how to analyze memory usage and active uh, event listeners? This is a very good question because um, this is the details, for example, that Angular is not, Angular's DevTools are not providing. So why, where they do provide good information similar to flame charts and most probably also to the network traffic. But what they cannot really do at the moment is uh, giving you information on memory leaks. And memory leaks in front-end applications is a big topic. They are hard to find. They are easy to introduce pretty much in any stack. And it's like often incredible Uh, uh, hard to, to figure out where the leak is. And in the Chrome DevTools, there are a couple of things that you can do. You can do memory snapshots. You can um, basically also analyze live uh, in the live performance tab, how much memory is used, how much DOM nodes are created, how much other stuff. And memory leaks are really tricky because they can appear on different layers, right? You can just allocate memory Uh, you can do that over DOM elements, over just data, and it's it's not really trivial. Another thing that you can do beside Chrome DevTools, you can understand how memory leaks get introduced, and then you could just crawl your code base. A very, very easy 
example of how you can introduce a memory leak is, for example, an event listener or a interval that you start but never stop and other stuff. And this, those are really common, common mistakes, I would say. And for them, you can just run a crawler against your code base and get a list uh, where potential uh, performance leaks could be. And then you can have a look there. Of course, this is not automated work, but manual work. But you can have a look there and see if it is good or not. And if you can somehow improve there and fix a memory leak. What also is a good thing, if you um, found a memory leak, you should document that you solved it. So... Let's say you open up the live performance charts in the Chrome DevTools, then you would see if you interact with a page and navigate here and there, that you would have an increasing uh, area that goes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and never basically uh, goes back to zero or to a lower value. If you fix the memory leak and you click the, uh, the garbage collector button, garbage collection button in the, the live performance tool, then you should really see in the fixed version a big step that is like going down and you really lose, uh, you really free a lot of the memory or DOM nodes that are allocated. As before, always document. <laughs> always document, yeah. So uh, what we can see in uh, the network analysis tab in the network analysis tab, you can see basically all the information that is needed or that is generated over your network. So HTTP requests, web sockets, and similar um, events like where you get your images from, what resources are, if the uh, requests are failing, request status, uh, connection time, and so on. A lot of information on the network layer, as the tab says. And <clears throat> this can help you to, first of all, um, find cool bottlenecks, not cool, but find bottlenecks in a cool way for bootstrap performance, but they are also really interesting for runtime performance. Also discover like um, critical path, uh, problems where you could parallelize HTTP requests. They show you how you could cache data. Um, they show you if you have a progressive web app running or not. And it is really, really interesting area, I would say, uh, especially for mobile usage, because on the mobile phone, you don't want to download megabytes and megabytes of images and JavaScript code and data and didn't and all of that. And it really drains not only your battery, but also your portmoney because data is expensive. And it is also slow if you use a lot of data. So the network tab is really interesting. And what you can do in addition to all the information that is present in the network tab is you could download that. And this is also what we do in the workshop. So we first of all, will go into detail in all the different um, informations that are present in the network tab. And then we will download the HAR file, the HAR file, and upload it to other cool tools. One tool that I can uh, suggest right away now is the, um, I guess it is called Google Toolbox. 
But search for Google Toolbox HAR Analyzer, something like this, very easy to find in the internet. This is um, an additional tool created by Google to get out even more details on your requests than you would have in the Chrome DevTools. So are there any improvement strategies we can follow with the network traffic? Of course, of course. So uh, I guess the most obvious thing that you can do is ship less, right? If you have a lot of a lot of JavaScript, just ship less JavaScript. But as you can imagine, uh, shipping less is always not easy. Also, when it comes to images, you can ship a lower resolution of the image, but at some point it looks really not good. Then you get artifacts and all the other bad um, issues that you have with low quality images. So shipping less is not always possible. But what you can do is you can ship it in different orders. You can do work on a different place and you can also do stuff later. Maybe let's start with you can do work on different places. If you have a lot of requests to specific domains, a part of the request is always the connection time. And there are several different things that you can use to move, to parallelize all those connections to the different URLs at the beginning, and this is basically the pre-connect tag that you can leverage and you put this pre-connect there and then all the pre-connect times are in parallel at the beginning. And later on, if you want to access this resource, you don't need to connect. Uh, you can just directly fetch the data and get it a little bit faster. Also, if you queue them up, you don't queue up the connection time anymore because it is all resolved at the beginning and in parallel. This would be a good example of one of the good examples to distribute work on, a <clears throat> on another place. Then you can also say, I want to prioritize my work, right? I don't want to load everything now. I want to load a little bit now and then a little bit later. And this is where you could um, think of different strategies, how to load JavaScript, how to load an image. And um, a good example is the lazy attribute. So you can do lazy loading in the browser, for example. Uh, and this means it will not load the image resource until it is very close to the viewport, to the stuff that is visible to the user. Imagine you have hundreds of images of movies. Uh, if you would download all of the images at the beginning, even if you see only one of them on the smartphone, this is quite a lot of traffic and also takes time. Uh, and this is stuff that can be used for other things, other more important things. You cannot only lazy load if it is visible, but you can also plan in the future. You could prefetch or preload data. Prefetching data is basically good for stuff that you need to use right away on this very page. And preloading stuff is good for when you navigate to another page that you already have the styling present or that you already have this and that other things present. And they have priority. First, you preload the stuff and then later on, you spend time to uh, prefetch stuff the other way around, prefetch and then preload. 
Uh, and the last thing is that you can basically uh, see if you have dependent requests. For example, um, due to some uh, logic that you execute only when the component is loaded and not before, another request is fired, which could be done even, even earlier, but due to uh, bad code behavior, it is like queued up. It is first this, then that. And especially when it comes to the critical path of an application, the basically the application's uh, most important piece of information and uh, how to get there, this is critical path. If you have um, those situations there, you should really see and try to parallelize them. So you execute both HTTP requests at the same time and not after another. Just three tiny things that you can uh, repetitively follow in the practice. So what are the flame charts? <clears throat> This is, I guess, really one of my most favorite topics. Um, flame charts basically uh, also pointed that out in the section where we spoke about uh, the Angular Dev tools. Flame charts are a specific type of chart that visualizes work in the browser. So it shows you in form of bar charts, nested blocks uh, of work, how the browser executes all that stuff in which order and how long it takes. And it does not only show you JavaScript, it shows you really the full render pipeline of a browser, beginning from downloading and parsing uh, HTML uh, to parsing and compiling JavaScript and then executing that JavaScript, running it, changing the DOM, and even recalculating styles and paint events in the browser. So the full render pipeline in such a detail that I'm every time impressed when I open up these charts. It is just really so impressive to see that uh, much of details and, and that really nicely organized and accessible information in such a dense uh, screen. Incredible, incredible, cool. It sounds you are in love with these charts. That's it. That's the truth. Yeah, because if you understand how to read them, so, you can basically tell everything you want on Uh, on any application, you are able with that knowledge to debug any framework, any application uh, by just looking at those charts and you can get all the informations out there that you need to fix the problem. Perfect. How to record and analyze flame charts? This is also a good uh, question because if you ever used it and you just recorded it, you Most probably at the beginning, you are overwhelmed of all the information. You don't really know what you should see there, how you should walk through them, and so on and so forth. So what I always recommend is uh, you can you can do the following. This is, I guess, this is a really cool pro tip. Let's do a mini, mini demo of how I would analyze and how I would figure out blocking UI. Basically, the red blocks that you would see in the flame. It's only one thing. <clears throat> to, to figure out red blocks, which is a dropping, a drop in the frame rate, um, I would not start to open up the flame charts. 
because they are very heavy in memory consumption. You cannot record like a long period of time there. It will take a lot of time to process it and to look at it. So what I do is I do a quicker way. I open up the frame rate uh, panel. It is a small, small overlay that will show up on the left side of your website when you when you check the box in the Chrome DevTools. And this shows me in a quick way where I have red, green, or yellow bars. And those bars are basically frame rate. If I spot a bad frame rate somewhere, I know that there must be a blocking task. And then I try to reproduce it again and again until I'm sure that I know which buttons to click. And only then I would switch to the flame charts to the performance tab and I would reproduce it there. So this would be phase one to get quickly the spot, the bottleneck. Phase two, how to document it in detail. I would open up the performance uh, tab, would uh, do a flame chart recording and I would try to limit the recording as much as possible around the problem and don't record anything else that is not really related. So if the problem appears by clicking a button which opens a drop down, for example, I would try to make the measurement as short as possible. How would I do that? I open the panel and know the shortcut control E is start the recording. So I would directly go to the button with my mouse, hover over it already and wait. I would start the recording with my keyboard. I would click the button, would let the menu open without using my mouse or moving my mouse just to avoid all other hover uh, and, and mouse move events. And then I would stop the recording. In that way, I exactly know where to look in the flame charts because it is really uh, started with the button click and ended with basically the menu open. It is easy for me to overlook it and it is also less information. I don't have to wait too long. I can have uh, a focus on a very, very small section of the flame charts and this helps to speed up all your analysis, auditing, and researching a lot if you follow those two approaches with the flame charts. So this is how I would say how I analyze flame charts. So the next question is, what are blocking tasks and how to spot splitting bottlenecks? What are blocking tasks? A very detailed question. In the workshop, we would have a nice, nice block of theory that explains, first of all, uh, how the main thread, uh, what the main thread is in the browser, what its building blocks are, what is a task and what is time, how does it look. But um, let's go straight to blocking tasks. This is, as I mentioned before, pieces of in your code, in your application that make the user interface freeze. And this is stuff that you really want to avoid. This is also part of the web vitals. If we remember the total blocking time, for example, also time to interactive depends on that uh, blocking thing. And of course, also largest contentful paint is a problem and is directly related to blocking tasks. Um, a blocking task is a thing that is mostly caused by scripting. Um, 
in, in, in some situations, you also have blocking tasks due to a lot of rendering work in the browser. Um, and all, all two situations, both situations are basically bottlenecks in your application. Um, you can spot them very easily if you open up the flame charts or if you open up the Chrome DevTools, you will have uh, a red mark on every task that is basically longer than 50 milliseconds. And this is the way how you can spot those uh, long tasks. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for providing us with so much interesting and valuable information. If you haven't joined Workshop Fest 2021 yet, this is the moment. It will be four amazing days that will change your life forever. You will gain practical knowledge that will lift your career to the top. This is the only chance to spend four days with one of the best trainers in the world. You can join online or you can join a stationary in Warsaw. You decide about your future. See you at the workshop.